So tonight, I will talk about mindfulness. So the, the theme of the retreat is a path of mindfulness. And already this morning in the discussion, there was a little questions about mindfulness. So here, it is not the definite answer, but it's going toward that, I hope, to some degree. So what I want to do is actually show that we hear this term in English, mindfulness. And even in French, they have l'association de la mindfulness. They could say something else. So mindfulness is really like the word many people know nowadays. But it comes, it's a translation in like the 19th century of a term from ancient time, which is sati, S-A-T-I. So very simple word, sati, which actually because of a word in the Bible, which is mindfulness, then they thought at the time, let's translate it as mindfulness. So I've actually kind of, it's a slight accident also of translation, and then it becomes a usage. And now you have this word mindfulness, which covers some of the aspect of the ancient term, but not all of it. That's one why tonight I want to look at the different aspect of the term. It just doesn't just mean one thing. It means different things. It has different aspects in the text. In a way, we could say different angle. So sati, at one level, as I mentioned already, it's simple awareness. But I think before we start, I need to say that whenever we find sati, often in the text, it's associated with another word, which is sama, S-A-M-M-A, which you find recurrent in what's called the Noble Eightfold Path. And generally, sama is translated as right. So what you, we're supposed to cultivate is right mindfulness. So again, it's kind of the term how they translated long ago and how you look again the different aspect of the term. And so sama nowadays can be looked at in a little different way. And it could be translated as wise, it could be translated as authentic, as appropriate. And personally, I like to translate it as caring and careful. So I kind of extend the meaning a little bit. So it's not any kind of mindfulness. It's a caring and careful mindfulness. It's a skillful mindfulness. It's an appropriate mindfulness. So in a way, we move from just the fact that we can be conscious, as I mentioned previously, as a human being. And then actually what we're developing, you could say, is a protective awareness. So 
It's a presence of mind at one level. That's one of the basic definitions. Presence of mind. Being present to what is happening inside and outside. And again, we have to be careful not to think that it means being present to just what is inside us. It's as much being present to what is outside of us, but not outside. In a way, it's more looking at this meeting of, you could say, the inner condition of this organism meeting the outer condition in which this organism finds itself. And that's why when I mentioned the in the meditation, often I mentioned in the foreground, you could have the breath, the body, the sound, loving kindness. And in the background, you have everything else. So in a way, the mindfulness we talk about is not exclusive. It's not saying, I'm going to focus on this, and then everything else will be pushed away. But it's just we could be, as I said before, more general, more precise, but it's generally within multiple elements, within complexity. But it doesn't mean that we need to be aware of everything to the same degree all the time. This is what we have to be careful. It doesn't mean 100% all the time I am aware of everything inside and outside of myself. Again, we are not a data gathering center. But more to think of it as this protective awareness in terms of what is going on. So we are aware of something. What do we do with it? So we're kind of really looking at what is the impact we are in the world, what is the impact of our inner world? What is the impact we have on others, what other impact have on us, and so on and so forth. So it's actually becoming aware, not so much in a static way, but becoming aware in an active way. So in a way, it's becoming aware of how am I impacted? How am I colored? And in a way, to see what happens. If suddenly I sit in meditation, and suddenly I have a memory. I have a memory of somebody saying something unpleasant to me, three years ago. How could they say this? But really, how could they? And then often, we mull on this past thing as we sit here, and then often we jump to the future and we plot revenge. So from a just sitting here, a light memory of something, unpleasant, I'll talk more about this tomorrow, 
And then suddenly we're plotting revenge in the future, which might not be wise and compassionate <laughs> activity on the cushion. So just we kind of notice, oh, this is what I am thinking right now. This is what's going on because I have a contact with this and then in a way this triggers this. So it's kind of seeing what is going on in the mind, in the body, in the heart, but also outside. If I say something to somebody and they looked at me like, what did I say? How did I say it? To have this kind of little unknowing, unpleasant reaction. So it's kind of like really widening the field, really widening the field in this caring and careful way. Or another thing we can do is in a way notice the spiraling. To me, that's what is very interesting in daily life. Something happened, and in a way, what do I do with that something happening, especially if it's unpleasant? So one example, you are waiting for somebody. The person says, I'll be here 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, they're not here. 10 past 10, they don't love me. 10.20, nobody loves me. 10.30, I hate the world. <laughs> I mean, in the past, this happened more because nowadays you kind of get your phone and you try to get them. So generally, it's sorted out faster. But instead of, in a way, reacting and spiraling, then the creative engagement is what is going on. Did something happen to them? Have they forgotten? Did they think it was another day? Or whatever it might be. So you know, we kind of think there is an impact. Then the awareness is going to help us not to spiral as much. So the mindfulness we're talking about is not just about observing. This is a little difficulty that there is at the moment. I mean, I have been associated with uh, scientific research, etc., etc. Et and the difficulty with scientific research about mindfulness is that every term has to be precise. It describes the term in connection to previous study of something else. And so one of the terms which is used a lot is observing. And then you think mindfulness is about just observing. In a way, being like a mirror. But actually not. Mindfulness is reflective, is creative, is actually reflecting on what's going on. It's creatively engaging with what's going on. So it's not just observing something. So you could say, with mindfulness, you have a restful element and you have an active element. And the question often, and I'll talk more about it toward the end of the talk, is when something happens, do I do something or not? 
So in a way, do I, am I just in the reflective mode or am I more in the active mode? Because often you have the impression what is required is to just observe. But actually, no, there is a possibility of reflection, which actually might do the change without doing anything. Or we might actually need to do something skillfully. So that's just a little intro. And then I wanted to share with you some definition. So kind of some definition of that term, sati, which has been translated and is used now as mindfulness. First quality is that it's not wobbly. So it does not wobble. It does not float away from the object. So I presume you might have observed some wobbling today, a little floating also. So in a way, the aim is not to stop totally the wobbling or the floating, but that it is there to a less degree. Then it's also about recollection. This is very important. Sati, as an original term, is a lot about recollection, remembering. So in terms of the sitting, remembering to be aware, remembering the object, remembering to anchor, remembering one's value. Like if you find yourself kind of plotting revenge, hmm, is it really what I want to do? Or do I want to bring wisdom and compassion within this? So it's kind of like remembering the intention, remembering what we're doing, remembering our value. So, and personally, I think this is one of the most powerful effects of meditation, is that. And so you could associate this remembering of sati with the anchoring we mentioned already. So we choose the breath, the body, the sound, the loving kindness as a center point, as an anchor. And the anchor is not so that we just with the breath, but that it helps us to come back. So when we come back, when there is this coming back, this returning, this remembering, four things happen. The first one is that you're not feeding repetition. And this is something you might notice, or you might have noticed today, is that if I asked you, have you had a thought you never had before today? Possibly not. And possibly what you thought today, you'd already thought before. And in a way, Mindfulness meditation helps us to see, as I said, 
thought as information. And the first information we get is that there is a lot of repetition. And then you can notice yourself. I mean, that's what I noticed when I started meditating was rumination, daydreaming, planning, fantasizing, and so on and so forth. And then so pe people might have special one, like counting. Kind of once an accountant said, oh, I count. When I sit in meditation, I count the money in the bank, in my various <laughs> bank account. I total add, etc. So each of us might have a specific repetition and then some we have in common. And so in a way, when we remember and we come back, first, we don't feed the repetition. So we don't feed the habituation. Then as we return, we dissolve its power. Like normally we go this way and now, oops, we're coming back. We're coming back, so we're going another way. Actually, we give ourselves a choice of path. Instead of, oops, you can go here or you can go back. Then the third element is that you bring the habit to its creative function. So from daydreaming to imagining, from planning to planning can be a good idea, but maybe not hundred times the same thing. So in a way, we go back from being stuck to creative function. You can plan if you want and leave it. You can imagine if you want and leave it. And then you have more space, actually. There is more space in the mind. And then there is a fourth aspect, that when we come back, we come back to the whole experience. And this is one of the main aim, in a way, of the retreat, is to make you see how it feels to be in one thought, in one sensation, in one feeling, and how it narrows our identity. Because sometimes we can become just a thought, a story, a feeling, a sensation. But then when we come back to the breath or the sound, we come back to us within the environment. So you come back to complexity. You are complex. The environment is complex. So you move from a very narrow to a very expensive. So again, this is kind of like this returning help us with that. The second, one of the s second definition is absence of confusion. It's orient us in time and place. So in a way, we have a clarity to what is going on, what is happening. In a way, we're not lost in fiction. Because sometimes we are a little lost in idea we have about what's going on. Often we do this with people, often with ourselves. 
I do this because I'm always a stupid person, or whatever it might be. Or they do this because of that. But if you ask them, they do this because of this over there, which you had never thought about. I found that always fascinating. Somebody does something and you are persuaded. It's because of me, you. And then you ask them, I say, no, it's because of this happening over there. Nothing to do with you. We have to be careful. Often we feel we're the center of everybody universe. We're only the center of ours. So third one you're very familiar with, which is engaging object in experience. Also the fourth one you're a little familiar with, I think, enhanced presence of mind. So in a way we're not developing the judgment. This is very important. We're not developing judging something, but we're developing discernment. And we're developing actually ethical discernment. This is very important to see that Sama Sati is actually about ethics. So we are mindful not to be more aware than anybody else, but we are mindful so that we can act and be more wise, more compassionate. So it's actually an ethical activity. Then, again, this wholesome stability. So with this samasati, there is really this experience. To me, it's actually very embodied. Today, the theme was the breath, the body, and to me, this is one of the gifts of meditation. That just sitting here is actually doing something to the whole body and mind, to this organism. And to me, what we develop over time is this stable place within ourselves, which become a resource. I remember long ago there was a meeting and it was getting a little hot and agitated and people arguing with each other and I was like And so inside here I would feel agitated and then I thought okay let's go back to that stabilizing thing in the body so I would go into my belly and then immediately there was like this space around this feeling so that I was not agitated by it. And then I could creatively engage and say, what about this? What about that? And then could we come to some meeting place, some understanding? So in a way, the stabilizing is in part through the body, through the sitting we do, but also through the walking. Because also we're moving we're moving in a very stable way. The kind of the mind, the body, there is this stability as we move back and forth because we're not going anywhere. This is one of the key of the walking meditation. We are not going anywhere. And so we can just walk for the sake of walking, of being present to the bodies at walk. 
because generally when we walk, we go somewhere and we're already there and not really present to the in-between. So here you're aware of everything, the standing, the walking, the turning, and tomorrow what is around us. But also mindfulness has an exploratory probing quality. So again, it's not just staring, but it's looking in. Again, what's going on? So it has this probing quality. And then I wanted to give you some simile, so some example, some image you find in the ancient text to again kind of mindfulness being compared to this, that, and another. And also it kind of shows you the range. So one of the simile is like it's like a charioteer, so that somebody is sitting on a cart is a little elevated, and so the person can see more widely. So this idea with mindfulness to see more widely. Also again, compared to someone being up a tower, and so up a tower you gain perspective. But personally I think with the tower, we can also see with wide perspective, but we can also see limit. How far can I see? And then beyond that, I don't know. And I think with mindfulness, we also learn our limit. So it's not about heroic, but it's about how much can I do? How much can I understand? So in a way, it's also knowing the limit of this body, the limit of this mind, of the heart, of our time. So this is, I think, something important, is that the mindfulness will widen, widen the view, but at the same time, it'll make us aware of our limit. And it'll make us aware of our limit of tiredness, if we are stressed, if we are ill, and then creatively engaging with this limit. That I think is very important. Then again, a favorite of Bernat, cows. But here we've got cow herd. So again, he's like a cow herd being aware of cows. Again, attentive, spacious, alert. This, I think, is something really important when we sit to have some alertness. And I think at the level of wanting, kind of cultivating alertness, I think listening meditation can be really good with alertness. Just kind of listening to sound. Because sometimes you sit, and sometimes you feel really bright and clear, and sometimes you feel, oops. And so how to bring alertness? 
and sometimes listening can help. Then you also have the idea of mindfulness as a gatekeeper. And then it protects from danger. So again, what is skillful and skillful? Receive important message. What am I getting from outside? What is it that impacts me? Because sometimes we have the idea, if we meditate long enough, no matter what happens, I will be unmoved. I'm not sure about that. I highly doubt it. It might make you more stable when things are difficult, but not unmoved. So in a way, this kind of receiving important message, oh, this is dangerous, oh, this is really helpful, and deliver in efficient way. Mindfulness helps us to see more clearly. Oh, this is what's going on. Oh, they did not understand me. Oh, I did not get it. Sometimes this happened to me. I might look relatively intelligent. I speak English, I'm French, so there is a little intelligence here. But sometimes, it goes, like suddenly. I don't get what's going on. Not often, but time to time, I don't apprehend what's going on, like in a chemist shop, or like in a garden shop, or whatever it is. Suddenly, I don't get that I need to do this, or I need to do that, or I don't know why. Is it cultural? Is it something in me? Don't know. And so sometimes I, I am aware I don't get it. I'm like, and then it comes back. But kind of you, you realize right now you're not efficient. <laughs> something is bypassing you. And I would say meditation helps us in a way to have more wisdom, but not to be wise and clear all the way to the same degree. Sometimes we kind of freeze, or that happens to me. Also, there is a medical uh, comparison. Like it's like a doctor who probe, investigate a wound, delineates its shape. So it's kind of looking, what is really going on here? And this is what we'll look a little bit tomorrow, because tomorrow we look about tonality of experience. What am I feeling? But not what, in a kind of describing way, but more, how do I feel it? Where do I feel it? I mean, you might not feel anything, which is also fine, and just experiencing that. So only probing, examining, being with. And then you have my favorite. My favorite is the idea of mindfulness as a plowman. So in the old day, you have again the bull, you have the plowman with the plow. And then what happened when the plowman has to plow? That first he needs clarity of direction. 
like kind of doing this is not going to help the field, so it needs to go straight, directly. But then it needs to have balance of pressure. But if you put it too much, it gets stuck. If you put it too light, nothing happens. So balance. Soon we have direction, we have balance. And personally, what I like is reveal by digging. That actually, as it goes through the earth, time to time, things can be revealed. Oh, there is this. Oh, there is that. So in a way, something is discovered. So that as we are mindful, we are able to see things more widely, and maybe things we'd never seen before. This is, in a way, my first kind of, in a way, revealed by digging. So I was co in Korea, sitting in meditation. There they do it 10 hours a day, so I was sitting there doing meditation. And then I sitting there, and suddenly I see what I am thinking. But I really saw what I was thinking. And what I was thinking was, Look at me, I exist, this is about me. And I realized it was all about me. I would have said then 95%. But until that moment, because I had wanted to save the world from age 10, I thought I was the most compassionate person in the world who always thought of others first. And I was like, kind of, ah, this is all about me. But what was interesting in that experience, in that instead of thinking, wow, I am a terrible person, I'll never be a good Buddhist, I'll never enlighten, or whatever it is, because I'm kind of like that, I thought, this is what's going on. I think about myself most of the time. I am fairly self-centered. And that's what I have to work with. And I just laughed. I thought this was so funny to have kind of this misperception. And in a way, to me, this is what we do when we meditate. When we cultivate mindfulness, we're actually cultivating what I call creative awareness. Creative, wise, compassionate awareness. And I would say its two aspects is acceptance and cultivation. So in a way, the practice helps us to see clearly, ah, this is what's going on. This is what I have to deal with. And then the cultivation, and this is what I can do about it. And so personally, I feel that when we meditate, we can see actually two levels of thought. One level, I think, is more creative, is functioning, which becomes habitual. 
So we see ourselves daydreaming, planning, whatever it is. And then there is another level, which I call the selfing level, which is, hey, I exist, look at me, etc., etc. And it seems to me that the meditation is going to work in a different way on the two levels. Personally, I feel over time, the upper level of selfing slowly goes down. Because we actually don't need it. We exist. Do we need on top of that to think about it, that we exist? We exist. We just need to connect, to be, to be in life. In a way, we don't have to be <laughs> in a constant commentary about ourselves, about others, or whatever it might be. This really we don't need. And in a way, personally, I feel over time it goes by itself because it's redundant. And then slowly, yeah, I don't have to, <laughs> to think about me because I live this experience. And then, of course, we still have the habitual one. And that takes a little time, because some are more stuck than others, some disappear, and some stay. I mean, I used to plan really badly. I used to plan, it was terrible, until I realized that it was uh, really messing my stomach up and so forth. And so I thought, okay, now, five time planning of any one thing and then drop it. And then you can take it again, five time again, then you drop it. So in a way, bringing some space within it. Daydreaming was much more difficult. I would be sitting there and I'll talk more about this tomorrow. And I would go in this amazing daydream. I mean, time passed very fast. You hear the bell, already it was getting to the good part. <coughs> and then, after many, many, many years of meditation, suddenly, Sati became a little more powerful. Because this is what we do here, is we cultivating the power of samasati. We cultivating the power of creative awareness, creative mindfulness, so it can be more and more activated. So that day, I was sitting in meditation, and suddenly, intention. Suddenly there is this intention, this is it. I'm just going to be so aware of daydreaming and I'm not going to do it. I didn't not even think it, it just was this kind of, kind of this decision in a way, which happened. And then I, the whole sitting I could feel, mm, 
Non. Non. I spent the whole sitting doing this. And then, it was gone forever. And that's why I realized all the pattern seems to have power. But actually, if you don't feed them, they can just go and come back just to their creative function. So this is what I wanted to share with you tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.